0: Welcome to Chinuch Today. I am your host, Rabbi Yerachmiel Garfield. Please join me as we highlight innovative ideas and inspiring people from the world of Chinuch. Hello and welcome to another episode of Chinuch Today. This is Yerachmiel Garfield and I love recording this podcast because I get a front row seat at meeting some of the great people and these creative, wonderful ideas and initiatives that are being aimed to make a difference in Chinuch, and today is no exception. I have been a fan of Hidden Sparks, which is the organization you're going to learn about today, run by Debbie Niederberg for a long time, going back years, many years. We've been involved with them at our school in a number of ways. They've done coaching for some of our teachers. We've had their presenters present to our faculty a number of times. And uh, generally, I have promoted their work because this is an organization that does things with high quality. And that's always something you're looking for in a nonprofit, is making sure that the funds are being spent strategically, thoughtfully, and well. And that's an example of what Hidden Sparks is. It's a nonprofit organization that has a very clear mission and has put a lot of thought and careful planning into how they spend those funds and it makes a difference. And you will hear in listening to Debbie, hearing her journey, how she got to where she is, both through her own personal experiences and her professional ones, and the amount of thought and foresight that goes into Hidden Sparks and the many projects that they do. These are smart, caring people who really are thinking big about making a difference to Claudiusrel. I'm always amazed by the funders who have the vision to see that these Organizations are able to have an impact that's beyond any specific school. That could, as you will hear, they're touching children in over 300 schools and multiple states. And it takes vision. It takes a visionary, both from Debbie and the initial leadership and the funders, to say, you know, there's a need. We don't know exactly what we're going to do in the start. We have a general idea of where the need is, and we're going to thoughtfully invest in addressing it, and over time, as we are successful, we will expand it, et cetera. And that's really what Hidden Sparks is. So for those educators who are listening, especially the educational leaders who are not familiar with Hidden Sparks, I am letting you know in advance, this is an organization you want to get to know. This is an organization that is leading Jewish education and specifically around the special needs. This is also an organization that's bringing the best and the brightest of those who are involved in this discussion, who are outside of our community, and making those great ideas and thought leaders available to so many. And that's another important component of what I consider a great organization. It's an organization that helps the multitudes in our community access chachma, wisdom, that they might not get to. Listen, we don't expect that every From educator is going to have an opportunity, the knowledge, the comfort to go out there and access that great wisdom. And that's okay. That's expected. But when there are individuals who are able to, when there are organizations that are able to do that and specific people who are comfortable and able to interpret and take and apply the values that do fit with our needs And in this case, the understanding of child development and the understanding of the educational needs of a child really are able to take from those wise educators who are outside of our community and put them in packaging and make them accessible to those inside our community. That is a very special task and something that Hidden Sparks is doing so wonderfully. You'll hear the names of some of the greats, some of the great thought leaders, and how Hidden Sparks is using those names, using their their wisdom, and putting them together in sort of a package that they can then provide to our schools. So I hope you enjoy learning about Hidden Sparks, hearing about Debbie and the work she's doing, and hopefully that'll be an inspiration to all of us to use Hidden Sparks and to look for opportunities to follow in their ways of accessing the wisdom and bringing it to those who need it. Hello and welcome to Mrs. Debbie niederberg the co-founder and executive director of Hidden Sparks, which is an organization that does so much amazing work supporting teachers. Good morning, Debbie.
1: Good morning, Rabbi Garfield. So happy to be
0: here. As I've mentioned to you, I think I am, I'd like to think that I'm Hidden Sparks' biggest fan. I don't know how you get listed, but if you Google Hidden Sparks' biggest fan, I think that my name should come up because I have loved your organization for years and i've really as you know been working on getting you to come on the podcast and i'm so thrilled you're here because you have an awesome organization
1: thank you so much and we're, we're proud partners of YTE. we're Wonderful. happy to be working with you
0: so could you tell everyone in just a few sentences and then we'll get back and we'll dig in but just so people have a general idea of how you would describe what hidden sparks is so um
1: hidden sparks basically um helps teachers look at students differently. Um, it tries to help teachers find the hidden sparks in every child. We we train and we coach teachers in their classrooms uh, through a strength-based approach to understand all kids differently, to come mm. up with strategies, and we work in many different schools across the U.S.
0: Wow. I love it. It's like some organizations just speak to me, and <laughs> hidden sparks is a combination of of the mission and the quality, you know, because the mission is, is you know, is out there helping kids and, but the quality of what you produce is unique and the combination there within is I think what makes InSpark so special. So let us start with little Debbie. Little Debbie, where did you grow up? And what, like, what are the major steps that brought you to founding, co-founding this organization? Were you a teacher at first? So-
1: so no, it, it's it's interesting. I'm from Silver Spring originally, and it, I have to think back. In some sense, I was always mm-hmm. headed in this direction. You you know you sort of look at the patterns in your life in a way. My father is a cheron even though he was a judge, but he was a natu- uh really a natural educator. Mm. And growing up, I I always um, I always taught, and uh, I worked in uh, youth groups and taught uh, sunday school and, and tutored um and that was always I sort of always gravitated to to uh, to educational endeavors um but my formal training is actually as a social worker hmm. and um, i uh, I worked in Israeli development towns and poor and, uh, neighborhoods and yeah wow, yeah Tikva and other places wow. and um, and from there, I really felt like I wanted to that, that's where my I went into uh, social work. But when I start my first job uh, through a, um, a fellowship was at UJ Federation to work UJ Federation of New York to work in the Jewish community to serve the Jewish community. It was a fabulous uh, training because it, it a highly professional place. Um, gave me the skills for running meetings and work with boards and fundraising. And then uh, from there, I, um, as part of UJA, I worked, I managed the Fund for Jewish Education, which was a partnership between the late Joseph Bruce at and UJA Federation. As a sidebar, he was a visionary, brilliant man, because hmm. he put in place insurance for day school educators, pension, life Medical in perpetuity. So Hakrabatov, uh, he did amazing things for, ah, for Jewish education. Is that education. all New York Jewish educators? I think they do national, but it started out as, as New York. So wow. I, I, you know, it's, it's good to to Google mm-hmm. that. And then left to start a uh, Jewish Children's Museum. At the time, 1994, when my third uh, child was born, there's a you know there's a, a phrase in Hebrew uh, which you will probably be familiar with: "Nichnasli Juk Barosh." Like basically you get a bug and you can't yeah. and and at the time I was taking my kids to museums and 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 this is also on the heels of the the report that in that said and this was shocking to the Jewish community at the time that there was a fifty three percent intermarriage rate. And that shocked us at the time. And Just to I, be clear, felt... were you
0: working for the museum project as part of the Federation? Or that was like a new... No, I
1: left. I left. Uh, entrepreneur, I decided I'm going to leave. I, I, I left uh-huh. my stable job <laughs> to start a traveling Jewish children's museum. I whoa, found whoa, whoa. someone... Okay,
0: let's understand that. So you're yeah. sitting at your job, helping the Federation, Mr. Gross, whatever. And you're like, you know what the Jewish people need? A traveling... Museum for children, and then you're like, "All right, well, let's okay. do it. Is that? First, first of all, it so you crazy, do but... these
1: crazy things when you're young. <laughs>
0: okay. Uh,
1: like I was young. I was young. I was in my twenties. I was young. Mm. I uh, and I felt like I felt like I was. I sat on it for about a year. I, wow. I met with the um, with the head of the Manhattan Children's Museum, the Ackerman, and a bunch of other museums because I didn't know about anything about museum design and found a partner. Who had worked in the Jewish Museum and wow. the um, Israel Museum. And I didn't want to, I don't want to regret not having done it. Felt like we needed non-threatening places for Jewish families who, who weren't observant, right, to explore their Jewish roots and, and through a fun, engaging way. So so yes, so we awesome. put together a board okay. and we launched and we traveled, put together two exhibit interactive exhibitions. We traveled to community centers across the US we had about 15,000 visitors and one of my board members then uh, directed me to introduce me to Jack Nash who, I don't know what
0: uh, that is it sounds like a great acronym
1: <laughs> Jack Nash was a major philanthropist he was the oh, it's not uh, what's uh, name. Seat on I, the new york stock exchange something he was a tremendous bachesset. he a uh, was president of Oppenheimer company and then left and started odyssey partners together with Leon Levy. And he wow. gave a tremendous amount to, to Sadaka. and Jack taught me like through Jack, I learned a lot about capacity building, right? When you, when you, when you invest in an organization, you don't just take that organization from a to B, but you take that organization from a to G, right. And that, that was a little bit of part of, you know, Um, what we brought to Hidden Sparks. He also, Zepharno Lebracha, was a visionary and a great philanthropist. And we took a lot of good programs, like a kosher city harvest food in New York uh, that's still operational. That was the model for Leket, which Joe Gilder successfully founded in in Israel. Hmm. And uh, a loan program for Jewish day school educators. And um, Was it under an
0: umbrella organization, or was it just like individual...
1: So these were these were partnerships. So, for example, when we put together the Kosher City Harvest project, we uh, brought together the Met Council on Jewish Poverty. Fabulous organization and City Harvest, other fabulous organization mm. with completely different, right. completely different ways of working. Um, that took months to, to put together. Mm. But we hired um a rabbi or rabbi mayor to run it and did the packaging and, and, and they collected food, you know, surplus food. And there's a lot of kosher food, food from that provide that was then provided through community centers or to Tom Cheshavis or to and across. Uh, so anyway, so we funded different things, but one of the organizations that we funded, um, Jack was impressed with someone by the name of Dr. Mel Levine. He was um, Dr. Well. Mel, right? Was a learning, brilliant learning expert, and um, and we brought that program to Jewish day schools in New York, and that sort of what led me to his Sparks.
0: Got so, it. Did you have a personal relationship with Mel Levine? No,
1: I heard Did him you know speak. Him okay. I, I yeah, I met him. I heard him speak. He was brilliant. But the person who was very uh, instrumental, he 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 was a brilliant thinker uh, about um, about learning, um, learning profiles and, and wrote, right. you know, really right. unpacked, um, every child, um, a mind at a time. Right. Um, he wrote several books and, right. and
0: I love, I love uh, his book. My favorite title is the myth of laziness.
1: Yes. Yes. that's One of my
0: favorite all time titles of a book, but I, yeah. I am familiar with his work and, uh, and the tragedy involved in it. Yeah, we don't yeah, have to yeah, 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 Today at the at of Today podcast, but let's just say yeah. that he is not someone that we're endorsing his lifestyle or whatever. We're just exactly that he right. did make a significant... Significant
1: uh, contribution. contribution. And, and one of the things that stuck with me, for example, and then I'm going to tell you about who was influential, was that he... Um, you know, he really drills down into attention and memory and lang- language, and and everyone, every child has a strong or weak attention for different things, right? But if you can put a box around, um, if a child doesn't feel like they're struggling in everything, but you can sort of hone in on what they're struggling with and put a box around it, then you can begin to. Um, then you can begin to drill down and find an appropriate strategy. So the person who, who took his, he was more theory, right? But the person, the, the key, one of the key people who took his work and adapted it for teachers was my mentor, um, Claire Wurzel. Mm. And uh, Claire, Claire was, when I met her, I just saw her last week, but when I met her, she was the uh, head of special education at Bank Street College in New York. Bank Street is, is a terrific place. So Claire, Claire helped adapt his materials into very interactive, constructivist materials for, she ran his teacher training center. And so when we were starting Hidden Sparks, after I, uh, I, I left the Nash Foundation to help mm-hmm. another, another foundation and to help start Hidden Sparks, the first person I turned to was Claire Wurzel. I just want to also give credit to Judah Weller, who was one of the people of Ptah. When we brought all kinds of minds to New York area day schools, it was a partnership between Bank Street and, and uh, Ptah through Judah Weller, who's, who's been fantastic. So Claire, Claire's was one of the first people that um, that I came to in starting Sparks. And, and mm-hmm. it was... And she, she's like, you know, you have rabbis, rabbis. Um, so she's like a, a teacher, a teacher's teacher. She's just has trained thousands so, and thousands of teachers. Just to get the
0: the cause and effect. So you felt there was a need, or you were just inspired by this methodology, and you're like, we need to get this to the Jewish community. Like, what was the impetus for you even reaching out to Claire?
1: Well, so we had we had worked. Um, I guess through, when when I uh, ran Jack's foundation. We mm-hmm. had brought all kinds of minds to to Jewish day schools, and then I was tapped by um, some donors who wanted to do something for struggling learners. Mm. And and what we did was we I, I approached Claire. We had focus groups with principals all across uh, the New York area back in two thousand five together. Claire Wurzel and uh, Dr. we were sort of the, the two partners that helped me start it to hear from them. Now at the time, uh, thank God, it's come a long way, but I don't have to tell you, but uh, but at the time, diverse learners was really not a term on their radar. Schools, schools felt like they were they were doing everything well. <laughs> it just wasn't. It just wasn't on the radar. And and so we uh, we had focus groups with school leaders and and um, and talked to them. Presented different ideas. Amazing. And part part of the the goal mm-hmm. was to 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 go out to research best practices outside of the Jewish community. To go to some of those top. Uh, the Centers of Excellence in Education, and bring back those models into our Jewish day schools.
0: I Mm -hmm. absolutely love this model. I've interviewed a lot of people, and it frustrates me sometimes, and I I love all these people, Don't they shouldn't feel judged. I understand it's challenging. carriage goes in front of the horse in the sense of the funders want to fund, so we have to fund, so let's just fund. And then it's sort of like, okay, what are we going to fund? I don't know, I don't know let's fund this, let's fund that. Maybe, you know, let's try that. And it's such a waste of funds. And I love how you said to yourself, let's research with the best people and be thoughtful. And I'm sure you used the process for the research. It wasn't just like a conversation. It was probably, you know, you a thoughtful research and, and, and research-based research. And then devise a plan that really makes a difference, that really is in touch with the needs and not just throwing money at you know, random ideas. So I love the way you approached it.
1: Is it one donor empowering you, or we started off with a, a very generous donor? Okay. Um. Over time, we, we got other donors, and right, we, we now But also the focus get, was uh, one
0: donor that said, "I'm willing to fund something." F- Mishugaladavar,
1: Mishugaladavar. Yeah. Exactly. Yes, yes. That's wonderful. Which is which is which is which gives you the leeway, which right. is great. But I, I'm a big fan of pilots. Because we are constantly learning and growing. We're constantly tweaking. We just ran our learning lenses course again for, I don't know, the 40th time last week. And and before the course, we, we continue to change things. We're mm-hmm. constantly changing and, and updating. But the the value in a pilot, it, we started in seven schools, but much more organically. When we first started, we deliberately took a range of schools. We wanted to take resource rich resource poor mm. um, across the uh, spectrum. uh continuum spectrum yeah. schools that that have plenty of time for for planning in their schedule mm-hmm. emigre schools we wanted to make sure that um, large and small we uh, and we learn you know when you start with a pilot and then you can continually revisit. Um, you learn from the field and you learn from the schools and then you're able to, to continuously Amazing. adapt. So yes. I, think, I think that's a, it's important. It's important to grow things thoughtfully and and be attuned to what you're seeing and adapt it. Um, there's a lot of wisdom in the room. There's a lot of wisdom by the leaders that are sitting around the table and helping adapt it to their schools. I think it's important to to pay attention to that.
0: Awesome. You mentioned you're a co-founder
1: who oh well, I am I I, I live with a donor.
0: Okay, all right, yeah. got it. Was there anything in your own family life that inspired you to do this work?
1: Uh, listen, I I wish that I I it has helped me in my parenting, but I wish that Hidden Sparks would have been around when my kids were were a little bit younger. I, I think of my my son Ethan, who's who's amazing. He's in medical school. Mm-hmm. He's but when he was in fifth grade, and up to fifth grade, teachers didn't understand him. They completely misunderstood him, and 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 we couldn't figure him out. Nobody could figure him <laughs> out. He was shy. He was awkward, and um, and it was a teacher in fifth grade who um, he uh, he was. Uh, she assigned him to be the teleprompter for a play because, of course, he didn't want to. Take center stage. She she could barely get him to do anything. So he he became the teleprompter. And I don't know how this happened. It wasn't open to parents, but one day I called the school and um, the school secretary, Jeannie, says to me, Wow, Aton was a star. I was like, What what do you mean? Because he didn't tell me anything and the teacher didn't tell me anything. And she said to me, um, She said, He was the man in the yellow suit. And then I unpacked it and I understood. That the for whatever reason the star of the play had to drop out, and Aton knew the lines of the of the play, and so he became the man in the yellow suit. This shy, awkward kid suddenly became the star of the show. Wow! And for the longest time, he saved his yellow suit outfit because it made him feel so good about himself. And I have tremendous appreciation to, uh, Hakaratato for this teacher, who who really helped understand him and and uh, saw the, saw this in him and um, and boosted oh. his self esteem enormously.
0: So you think if if Hidden Sparks would have been around, the people you're training would have done what?
1: I think they would have understood him differently. They wouldn't have understood um they wouldn't have labeled him as um for whatever they labeled they would have drilled down to understand what's at the root of attention mm-hmm. maybe he's maybe he's not being challenged his higher order thinking was off the charts right maybe they should be teaching the class in a different way Got to, it. you know etc so
0: wonderful yeah i think that a lot of us me included use our experiences our story as the fuel, the energy, that which gives us the edge to really go the extra mile for others. So you're a good example of that. Yeah. And so so what happens? So you're like, all right, here's the plan. Seven schools. I assume you started with some kind of training. Is so that right? there, the
1: there were a few, few things we, we, um, we know we didn't want. We didn't want a one-shot deal. We didn't want something we saw from the workshops that we, I had done previously with all kinds of minds was that teachers came through. It was an aha moment. But, but that was it. You know, it, it was wonderful, but it didn't go anywhere. We know we, we knew we wanted to affect students. How are we going to do that? It had to be site based. It had to happen in the schools so that it was appropriate for all different kinds of schools and it had to happen in the classrooms. So that was our, our first uh, and we wanted to give the um, we wanted to give the, the teachers the, the language and the tools. So we also knew that a coaching model was very effective. There's a great New Yorker article if you haven't come across it it's from 2011 it was a new yorker article about a doctor who plateaus during his career and and somehow he like starts playing tennis uh, goes to play tennis and then this this kid like coaches him and his surf gets better i remember um and so he he says you know sport everyone is sports they use coaches why don't right. we do that in educate why don't we do that and, and it increased his ability. It, it helped him. He took on a coach and he took, he mm-hmm. went back to his mentor. And so um, coaching has proven to be a very, uh, a very powerful, uh, a very powerful tool. That was the second element. And the third element was that we wanted um, there to be systems in the school so that there was, um, well, internal expertise and systems in the school so that um so that our teachers would come into the school, our coaches would work with teachers. Our coaches would then train and mentor internal school leaders to be experts in this, and then we would help leave the school with the systems, the language. By systems, I mean like a one of our um, one of our something we 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 do not we're not Mavatar and something we do not uh, let go of is. We have a monthly meeting where we bring together all the teachers who are working with that student to discuss that student through a oh. hidden sparks, strength based approach. It's like a child study team meeting, but through a hidden sparks lens. And that kind of coordination with hopeful, descriptive, non judgmental language is, uh, is one of our systems. Amazing. And finally, um, but perhaps most importantly, it was the curriculum. What we I think this is specifically the innovative um, part of this is taking the knowledge and the skills from the world of learning disabilities and bringing that to classroom teachers, bringing that to Jewish education, to mainstream classes and to straight to classroom teachers. So what does that look like? What we do is we we call it learning lenses because we're we're helping teachers understand their students in a more holistic way through three lenses. And this is um, the body of work in neurodevelopment. We added temperament, the work of Thomas and Chess, and an ecology, both classroom ecology and home ecology. And just very briefly, neurodevelopment encompasses under helping teachers understand. Attention and different kinds of att- memory and language, where the obstacles occur, and all the elements of social cognition. For example. So many st- students struggle or, or have strengths in this area. High, where higher order thinking comes in, both in terms of a student's strengths and struggles, as well as the demands of a lesson. Temporal and spatial sequencing. So those are some of the areas of neurodevelopment that we that are part of our course that we uh, work together with teachers through the course and then through subsequent coaching, coupled with understanding a student's temperament, and there's many nine different kinds of temperament traits, but for example, approach withdrawal or persistence, and as well as the classroom and home ecology. And we'll work with a coach on understanding the student's specific learning profile, the teacher's tendencies. What are the demands of my lesson? Um, how can I how can I preview differently for for each of my students? Think about my lesson ahead of time where the obstacles may occur, so that I can help that student or those students succeed. So, so we started in seven schools, and then um, and then we grew. Then we started an internal coach program. Um, to, to nurture internal school leaders and, and mentor them. Um, and, uh, and then we started, then we realized we need to do something for school leaders and uh, a scale program. And then from there, we uh, SEL program and and uh, SEL is a curriculum or a training? What is that? So now we have, this is, this is more recently, uh, this was actually coincided with, uh, with COVID um, yeah, we have uh, SEL social emotional learning workshops mm-hmm. and an SEL coach, and works with teams of teachers in their school. And um, and more recently, we uh, with support from New York UJ Federation and with the George War Foundation, we we started a, a launched a DI a for differentiated those listeners
0: who might not know what DI stands for. What is DI? A differentiated instruction? Differentiated okay. instruction.
1: Um, yeah. How is so, that different?
0: Meaning, that's not special ed. That's sort of like all student. That's something that everyone benefits from, right?
1: Right. So our, our our approach throughout is that by helping understand children who struggle in school and enhancing deepening your enhancing your toolbox for for working with those schools students, you'll be better at as a teacher in every regard. So it's really not about special education. It's about being attuned to the diverse learning needs within your classroom. DI is, is um, yes, yeah, so we use the work of Carol Ann Tomlinson to look at content process and product mm-hmm. and student um, readiness, um, learning profile, and work with teachers to plan multiple levels in their lesson, rotational model, uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's a,
0: yeah. How does your R&D work, your research and development? Like, how did you decide to focus on that are you it sounds like your background although you've probably become quite educated is not you know necessarily accessing the latest and greatest in the technology of education so how do you guys decide like let's go steer the organization in this direction or that direction and i'll just say one more thing before you respond which is and you know this that education is full of faulty research it's like in any discipline that has the poorest depth and content of research It's education, and anyone in education knows that the trends come and go, and if you read the research studies, they have like 100 participants or 200 participants, so just because it's like popular doesn't make it substantive. So, how do you decide which direction to take your organization?
1: So, the truth is that we we do do evaluations. Um, We we have brought in um, evaluation firms throughout the years.
0: What do you mean by that? We...
1: We do. We do our own. We, we bring in. Oh, evaluators. like an audit, evaluators. like a self
0: audit of. We bring in like external efficacy.
1: evaluators. We yeah. We bring in external evaluators. We also do our own evaluation, but we brought an external
0: evaluators. Those external. That's interesting. So hold on for that. That's not a yeah, normative, yeah, yeah, yeah. not Jewish nonprofit uh, process. So let's yeah, let's yeah, sit on that yeah. for a second. So you hire a company, who you say, I want you to analyze if we're being effective.
1: Right. So we did in the early years, we brought in um, Columbia's uh, Columbia University Center of Educational Technology. We partnered in Israel with Agudah Likido Hinoch and brought in Sofnat. We used other evaluators over the years, um, more recently worked someone from Brandeis to look at sort of a case study of a school that we worked with for five years and what the impact was. Wow! Now, I think evaluation is very important, but, but in terms of our focus, actually, we've really stuck to, for the most part, we've, we've tried not to do mission, right? We've really stuck to what we know works and it has really focused on understanding Learners, you're you're a little bit familiar, right, with the curriculum of attention and memory and language and and children with social cognition and higher order, meaning where the obstacles occur for a child, how the teacher can better understand their teaching and the learning style of the, the learning profile of the student, what they can do differently. It's all really emerged from a deeper understanding of. The child in their classroom and how to talk to that child differently. The additional programs that we started, the differentiated instruction, all emerge from understanding the different learners in my class and how I'm teaching to those different learners. How do they learn? So therefore, how do I teach? So it. It's really all part of the same. And, and the uh, thought
0: leader yeah. for you is is Claire Wurzel In this, is that where you get? It's a team. Uh,
1: I, I'm very fortunate to work with. You've we, met some of them to 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 work with an extraordinary team.
0: You do an extraordinary yeah. team. I will tell yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, Personal experience that on that. Just yeah, so that
1: they're people. and they they are coaches. Are are we have a we have an educational advisory team, a leadership team, but. Our coaches are very much part of the curriculum development. We meet every month to continue learning together. And they've um, recently, we started a peer coaching program and they, they developed the curriculum for the peer coaching Amazing. program. So,
0: yeah, okay, I guess I'm reacting to I read uh, Madeline Hunter. Are you familiar with? that name? She was uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. You know, of UCLA, effective, Elements of Effective Instruction. So in her introduction, which is masterful to her book, Mastery in Education or something, she writes that just like every other field, you know, you have to be up on the latest and you have to adapt to the times and respond to the latest research. And when I read that, I was like, yeah, yeah, education, timeliness. And then I realized like, she wrote that in like sixty eight, and I was reading it in 2012. And I'm like, Why am I learning her elements? And as I dug into it more, personally, I found that those elements really are still found in the current research. They're just repackaged and, you know, sort of like updated in the language. But essentially, most of her primary elements, you know, are as relevant today as they were. And I think that's what you're saying is essentially Melavine's work was so essential that the concept and the structure and the you know the basic elements of it are as relevant today as ever. And more right. we could dig in and unpack and connect and expand it, you know, that's where the
1: right. success right. lies. We also use the work of Ross Green and Stuart Ablon, Apl- Collaborative Problem Solving, yeah. you know, about about talking with a student about their learning and their struggles, right? The yeah. minute you sit down and you talk with a student and you see that student, then already the conversation changes.
0: What was the name um, of the second person? I'm a big Ross Green guy, lagging skills. So Stuart
1: Avalon. Right, right. Stuart Ross Green Avalon. And Stuart Avalon, yeah. We're partners, and then they each went their own way. But oh, they're both, got it. Yeah, got yeah. It. But there's a lot of material on, if you Google, there are a lot of videos that teach, you know, plan A, plan B, plan C. You could do that with individual students. You could do it with a whole class. And of course, there's been a tremendous research uh, in neuroscience that has uh, continued to inform our world. And so we um, definitely bring that into our courses. We have brought in the work on emotion and learning of uh, Mary Helen Iguardino Yang, fascinating work. Are you guys primarily in the New York
0: region? Like, how would you break out your percentages of where you are most
1: active? So we started. In New York, as we were developing the program, but we now have worked in 15 different states. Proud to say, with 382 uh, Jewish day schools and, and yeshivas, and proud to work with you and so many other uh, so many other schools. I mean, I would distinguish between our um programs like our webinar series which you know which we have uh, you know all over the us and our more intensive coaching programs which we have in 15 states and then in 2014 we partnered with in israel translated material into hebrew our coaches hollis and others came to israel we we trained a a team of coaches in israel um, also internal coaches and then we worked in uh, 15 schools in Israel. Wow. So um, so now, now when we have Israeli teachers in our uh, Learning Lenses course, we have the materials in Hebrew that we can share with them. Awesome.
0: You know, I, so, it's funny you mentioned that one of my sort of projects that's on the back burner <laughs> is to mine Israel, not to bring stuff to Israel, but to mine Israel for what we have here. They have tens and tens of thousands of students going through Jewish education and so many wise and dedicated people, including universities that focus on this. And I feel like in America, we don't access the wisdom of Israel so much in terms of curriculum and all the ideas that they have. And I always wondered about that. And you're actually referring to the opposite of you bringing your technology to Israel. Do you find that Israel is lacking in the kind of work that you're doing? I would think that they would have that covered through
1: Herzog or, we so, out? right. It's, it's so interesting that you say that in this particular area, understanding neurodevelopment and temperament and and classroom ecology, in particular, neurodevelopment. Um, we did not find another program, and they actually found us and, wow. and brought us in. But I totally agree. There's a lot of cross pollination that happened. Um, it wasn't just us bringing. We learned a lot from them, and there are. Um, and we've we've tapped into experts in Israel to help us develop certain aspects of our differentiated instruction curriculum, understanding the demands of humash and Emevrit, et cetera. And it's interesting because we did partner with Herzog. Uh, this is uh, with, with Herzog College, and we I thought Doctor
0: afraid... Tamar, Dr. Tamar yeah, Appel yeah. is speaking. Appel, in... yes. Yeah, I saw that. That's wonderful. So,
1: that that's beginning next month. There's uh, there's eight spots. Mo- most of the spots are filled. It was just uh, filled up very quickly. But that is uh, Differentiated Instruction DI for the Dakota's teachers. I love that, yeah. And it's going to be a semester course. And um, yeah, it should be. Um, we're a big believer in partnerships. Big yeah. believer in partnerships, you know. So.
0: I'd like to see that. So where would you say in Israel the most the work is going on that's most relevant to you? Is it Herzog or you mentioned another organization? Like where is the where is the home in Israel for this kind of thinking? Or is there no one place?
1: I, I don't have an answer for that.
0: Okay. Um, Just for I, my own, I don't have
1: an i don't have an answer for that. Our partner in Israel was Agudat Kidom Chinoch, which is the Society for the Advancement of Education in Israel. Um, Is that a private a, organization? That sounds like they're a, a, right. They're a network of mm-hmm. middle schools and high schools. Mm-hmm. Um, How
0: did you connect with them? Why them?
1: I don't remember. They. I think I met someone and then invited him to our training program in New York. Got it. And he and uh, and he was a board. Member. He came to the training program in New York. He had a, a son who struggled. And said, "I want this in all of the schools of the, you know, of ah, the Eretz yeah. And that's in fact what happened. So, yeah. wonderful. So,
0: all right. Tell cool. me
1: about as as a principal, like, what yeah. do you experience with? Uh, what What do you find? With like, is, well, no, it's really helpful to teachers in terms of. Um, their professional development and, and what's what's important for them to understand kids in their classroom? Well,
0: you know, like every organization, I think culture coming from the top is very important. And so I'm a big Ross Green advocate that students are good and they want to do good. And if they're not doing good, there's a reason. And I, I really drill that in. And any one of my parents Listening knows that that's my calling thing. It's a three rules. Kids children do well
1: if they can. Yeah, right. Exactly. Kids not do if well wanna. if they
0: can. So I've yeah. I've um, expanded that for my parents to three rules, and I talk about this a lot. Which is, children are good and they want to do good. That's really one. Two, if they're not doing good, there's a reason. And three, it's the job of the adults in the child's life to identify and address the reason. So that's my uh, mm-hmm. that's my Ross Green adaptation, but. Mm-hmm. Once that structure is set and that culture is set, the help comes with the training of the teachers and sensitizing them in a robust way, you know, not some superficial like talk, but to really understand what is an ADHD child dealing with? What does it mean to have dyslexia? What does it mean to have an auditory processing issue? And, you know, different teachers take to it differently, but I think um, having that training, that real training, which you guys provide, and then having the support staff and the administration—not necessarily at my level, but more, you know, in between the teachers and and me—to really understand it deeply and be able to coach the teachers through it in a supportive way, because I think sometimes pe- teachers, if we talk too much, like I do, about the students and they're so good and everything, they sometimes feel like not to blame but that the onus is on them to make it work because children are good and they want to do good, and if that good, there's a reason. Well, who does that leave in the room if not the child? So I think we really need to find that really supportive language and collaborative language, which you guys do so well, and work with them. And that's, we've used your coaching services quite a lot here at our school. Um, you know, finding has to be the right match, but we've found that teachers really do well with a coach who understands all of this and gives them the time Because, I'll tell you another thing that we believe in at YTE, it's not only the children who are good and want to do good, but even the adults are good and want to do good, and that includes the teachers and the parents, so, you know, even, I try to tell people even the head of school, but that's already, you know, everyone knows he's an idiot, but, you know, at least the the teachers really want to do well, and if they're... No,
1: you're absolutely right. I, I have to say, you're minimizing the role of the head of school, but our most successful um, experiences have been with a head of school who was behind this front and center. There's a qualitative difference in the way the sustainability of a program, when school leaders like yourself have mm-hmm. gone for the training, have led the way, have brought the teachers with them, continue to schedule that time in the school day for coaching, for debriefs, that sends a really powerful message that this is important. This right. is important to the school culture. Right. This is important and that—that's, um, you know, I, I find that that is oftentimes the difference between a program really, really taking root in the school and becoming part of the fabric, part of the language, part of the, um, you know, the the discussions, reframing the discussions the, in the um, in the teachers' room, in etc. So um, one
0: other comment on this—not that you're interviewing me, but just a very important piece. <laughs> uh for our listeners to think about and you is i think that a lot of our schools are our resources are just spent and resources do not only mean you know the money but time focus like thinking about maslow's hierarchy and the ability to get to this stuff and you could really only invite hidden sparks and that message if all your classrooms are full of teachers who are somewhat competent, if you have the right coverages, if you don't have X number of subs out that day, you know, and the reality is that many of our schools, especially those that are less funded and the more yeshivish schools or whatever, just don't have the infrastructure to cover the basics sufficiently to give the leadership and the teachers the frame of mind and the, the, the time and the nachas ruach to engage in this, which is, which is very much the methodology itself that says that when children have their needs met, they're able to learn. I mean, it's very true for all of us. So I think that the broader challenge that really Hidden Sparks, I don't think, can address directly, maybe the next organization you open will, is to make sure that the schools even have those foundational elements to be able to access Hidden Sparks. And, you know, I imagine that many schools just can't, they're not there. They just, they can't find the space.
1: Yeah, you you are raising some very um, important points. And I think time is is one of our biggest challenges in, in day schools and in yeshivas. We don't have enough time to plan thoughtfully enough. We don't have in speaking of our own program, yes, it's challenging to find the time to to, to do the debriefings, to to do the coaching to do the debriefings, but It's a it's a challenge that is endemic to our to our system um, and to the to the dual curriculum that we have. That being said, what we have found across the board in resource rich and resource poor and most of our yeshivas and day schools don't have the luxury of having a lot of planning time. What we have found is that when there is a will, there's a way that school leaders have found a way to bring it into their schools. Sometimes and oftentimes it means thinking about the low hanging fruit, thinking about those teachers who are ready and who are um, are hungry for coaching in their classroom. And then they'll receive the coaching and then. Colleagues will see them or or, or overhear conversations and will wonder, "Hey, I wonder what you're doing. That sounds interesting. I'd like to be a part of it." And that's that's often how how it spreads. It's it's almost impossible for a school to have, um, you know, the stars aligned a hundred percent. But um, but but they can always creatively find a place to begin. It's like um, uh, I was thinking about it um the other day. Like, you yeah, have a child who is not it's very hard for them to clean their whole room. You know who hasn't had this kind of child um, more than one. But you know, one idea is to okay, you can't clean your whole room, so start with cleaning a corner of your room. You know, start start with something, and um, and then it will uh, it will take. You just getting back to your earlier point that kids do well if they can absolutely teachers do well if they can and so many of our teachers are are in this because this is you know this was their life calling this is what they want to do and when they are empowered when they are given the skills to understand students differently we have found um, that the moment they um, they understand a student with more it leads to more compassion and then they, they relate to the student differently and then the student relates differently. It, it just changes the dynamic in the classroom that that already shifts the, the conversation 100%. in the classroom. And, and you know, there was a there was a CASG report. Um, uh, they did research that 49% recently they came out with this uh, within the last few years. 49% of Jewish educators leave their positions within the first five years. Wow. And, and then the connection was, well, if we provide more support for them, we know that all teachers need support right. And, right. and training. Uh, then uh, then we'll, in, we'll boost the numbers of teachers who stay in Jewish education.
0: 100%. Tell me, what was one of your biggest failure? What did you try and just did not work?
1: Uh, okay. <laughs> um I'll tell you what was what was hard. When we brought Hidden Sparks to Israel. That was very challenging. We're on pause right now. We worked in and we had a, you know we we built up a fabulous team. We uh, we translated materials. We were in 15 schools. We we trained 67 internal coaches and a team of coaches. Wow. It's it's a different educational model that doesn't have the same level of planning and um, runway that schools, for example, Jewish day schools in the states, and that was hard to that that's a hard nut to crack to um, right now pause we may go back to it we'll likely go back to it but. um, that was that was a hard one, too. Uh, that's I mean, really interesting. We, we worked at it for a few years. Yeah,
0: um, that's really interesting. So. so you're saying the culture of how these schools operate just wasn't in rhythm with what you were offering, essentially. Like, it just didn't work. First
1: of all, yeah, yeah. Um, a few mm-hmm. things. They don't have the budget for professional development in the same way that um, Jewish day schools have. And they do have some budget. Interesting. So they get some support they our our program for the most part is a five-year program with our robust program is five years in the school because we there's a system where we train internal leaders and we we circle through many of the teachers so long-term planning for schools in Israel was more like two years it's just different you know it's a it's a different it's it's a very different culture so Hmm. how about in
0: terms of their understanding of kids and learning was that a thing, too, like to get them to see the children the way you do, or are they on board with that?
1: They love the program. program.
0: Ideologically, they're in tune. It's not like they're arcane in their views of children. No,
1: they love the program. I I think probably um, the work that we're doing now in the, the expansion of the work that we're doing, differentiated instruction and setting up rotational models in classes. And that might be a little more challenging given the numbers of students um, in typical Israeli classes, but I I don't know. Interesting. Um,
0: Okay. You really need, I'm sure you've thought of this, but like a partner in Israel who gets it big time, you know, gets you and gets it. And then,
1: yeah, we, we did have a great partner. We did have a great partner. But um, the partner we need uh, should be at, a, at an elementary school level. And elementary school is governed through the government. Got it. So um, okay. you have a lot less leeway in, in that regard.
0: Right. And things take a lot longer to get through and all that. That's okay, true.
1: Cool. And, uh, and budgets. And where do you better. see yourself
0: going? So obviously you're going to get this Israel thing under control and grow it. At, at some point. point at, at some, some point. point yeah. But other than that, like in 10 years, what would you love to see for Hidden Sparks?
1: That's a great question. Our immediate. I'm next sure you've
0: thought of it. You had <laughs> your long term vision plan. You could probably pull it off your <laughs> shelf, your
1: booklet, binder with all plans. Hallibuy. Oh, Hallibuy. I know
0: you. Come Hallibuy.
1: on. Um, I, our immediate plan is to, uh, our, our most immediate plan actually, is to begin working on a curriculum for high schools. Because our focus at this point has really been caged away. Beautiful. So, um, and we have uh, we've been told by high schools that you know we'd like we, we need we need some help in this area. We'd like so that is that is our immediate uh, our immediate plan. That's um, awesome. I just
0: want to tell you I wrote an article about that. I could send you. It's called the please. Class Half Full, in which I make the argument that in our yeshiva system the elementary schools have excelled in three areas over the last 15 years in the most yeshivish of places, and those are professional development, we're all training our rebbeim even everywhere,
1: Perfect. and
0: yeah. special ed, we have right. all sorts of resource rooms and pull-outs and pull-ins. You go to elementary schools, even in Lakewood, it's, like, overwhelming. And the third is mental health. There's mashkitim, there's all sorts of, not just people who like to talk to kids, but actually trained um, mental health professionals in elementary schools, and my argument is, it's time to bring them to high schools. And um, I worked really
1: hard on that article, and nothing happened. Oh, who knows? Yeah, I think I think you make a really um, interesting point. Um, these are remarkable changes that we've seen um, in yeshivas in the last um, decade, and it is time that we um, brought them um, brought these kinds of changes. Um, consistently did it in a consistently good way to uh, to a high school level there's so uh, the stakes are so high at a high school level and and time is running out we need to we need to get that high level professional development to all of our teachers and rabbi and morot um, to make sure that we don't miss opportunities to help every child succeed. And the mashkichim is a very good point. There, there needs to be so many people that have that ability to connect to to, to kids and to um, identify areas of trouble, to be able to help them out in a professional kind of way. I, I really hope that, that, it, uh, that your article really reaches, falls upon uh, uh, the right ears. Another okay, what's your area. next? Let's but let's talk So really another a- so another area is we do we do a little work. We opened up a parent education center in Queens uh oh, really? actually through, through government funding. So we we uh What does that um, mean?
0: I don't even know what that is. It's a building so, called a So it's it's
1: it's actually it's virtual because it opened okay. um um with a fabulous person um, um Ethel Solomon who's running it. She was a former um, associate principal. Actually, we trained her through, she was an internal coach through Hidden Sparks and we stayed mm-hmm. in touch. And She was associate principal at Yeshiva Katana, among other places in uh, New York. And she um, helped us launch this parent education center, working with parents of title-eligible students. Um, and she does counseling. It's completely free for the parents. Wow. Um, she sees, um, uh, she works with about 50 to 60 parents a month and helping them with their with their students. But something we've always thought of um, when the time is right is like taking some of the work that we've done with teachers. I mean, we do hit the spark so that wells, but that's not really our report program and, and providing some sort of course for parents. Um, I, I would have loved that when when my kids were younger and then and then just a bigger vision is um, wouldn't it be wonderful maybe if a few organizations got together and there was sort of a foundational course that all every everyone working with students um, with kids whether it's Jewish day school supplementary schools camps like, Anyone working with students had this background. They came with a background for understanding children. and understanding Wow, what them. a crazy <laughs> idea.
0: Let's stay calm. <laughs> like, yeah. Training people who work with kids to understand children? Like across yeah, the board.
1: Yeah. Like you're going into a Jewish venue, a rite right. of passage. You know you're getting someone who is going to have been trained. So Wonderful. whether it's camps, whether it's schools. Uh, I have so a
0: dear that. friend here in Houston, Rabbi Dubin who was in Kashras, and he developed that. Simply for Mashkiyaf, before you go to work, you have to go through this online sort of module training, and it's become a national thing, and every organization sort of adapts it, but he has the core, it's, it's a great model, and I just think like that's a nice idea, where you have the key modules that you need, and then you could adapt, take one away, add one, depending on the culture, but like, and you have to answer questions, and it's interactive, and it's really great. That's a great idea, that's yeah. a
1: great idea.
0: Okay, we'll work on that. Wonderful, wonderful. One more question about funding. So are you the chief fundraiser or do you have a team? Cause I'm sure the market is. Yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah. And do
0: you find that the funders are like a few big funders or you're, I haven't seen like a campaign, I don't think for hidden sparks or little money. You know, how does the, how's the funding basically work?
1: So we, we get from, a, we, you know, we still have some major donors. And then also we do have smaller donors and we uh, and in some cases we've um, we've got we've been fortunate to get uh, to get grants. I mentioned uh, a few years ago we got a covenant grant uh, to help mm-hmm. us to expand to uh, Baltimore and uh, Chicago and Mentioned the Federation of New York to help us in the church or Amazing. a foundation to help us. So, you know, we, we, we also rely on uh, foundations. And, uh,
0: and one thing I'm not so clear on in terms of Orthodox versus uh, other denominations? Are you primarily focused on Orthodox? I think you guys are pretty much cross the
1: board. Across the board.
0: Would you say percentage-wise, it's just all over, or primarily
1: Orthodox, uh, or we're we're all over. We're really? all over. Um, okay. You know, our, our our curriculum is really about learning and behavior. We try to match the coach up with the with the school. So you know, if they if 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 the school prefers when we can do this right if, if the school prefers a certain background then we'll try to find that
0: you've done a great we, job with us by the way we're <laughs> a yeshiva oriented school and you've always been very appropriate responsive and aware of our needs thank you. and it's been awesome
1: thank so thank you
0: so okay um, so you're across yeah. the board
1: yeah we're and, across the, and by the way I'm, I'm proud of that in our in our Courses, we we you can see the the spectrum of, of the Jewish community. Wonderful. So,
0: uh, well, you're providing you know high quality and meaningful content, and I think all of us in education, no matter who you are and where you're from, are hungry for that. So people will come. You know
1: what we do in you know we, we have done work in Lingua tradition in in Judaic studies, and um and we try to. Will we try to choose
0: examples that are going to you shovel a hole Yes,
1: yes, yes.
0: So. Okay, is there uh, anything take, else? Take some thoughts?: Yeah, yeah. I could only imagine. Um, is there anything else you want to mention uh, as we wrap up about the program or about its development or anything else that we didn't cover? We'll make sure we get there. No, we
1: we are happy to um, the fabulous director of school services, Sarah Diamond, and she
0: yes, um, shout out have, to Sarah Diamond. She's my primary
1: contact, and yeah,
0: what a pleasure to work with. So yeah, you got. So, if it. there
1: are schools that wanna that wanna bring us in, we'll work with them. We're also we're big believers in partners. So, um, and this was our model for Baltimore. This was our model for Chicago. Um, there are so many other great organizations, and why not? You know, we'll, we'll like uh, Reach in Chicago or Shema, then Shemesh in Baltimore. So we we partner with them to train their um, faculty, so that they're the people, they're the ones who are the central agency in in that city, right? So we'll we'll train you, we train them, and then they are the the turnkey agents for their uh, own Jewish Day Schools.
0: And how do people get in touch with you or with the organization if they are interested? What's the?
1: Hiddensparks.org. Okay. Or send us an email. And uh, and we're uh, we're happy to, very privileged to be in the space. It is, uh, it is really a gift to, to be working. I have to say it is a gift to be working with Jewish day schools. There's a real, um, you know, I think the people that I've come across, school leaders, yes, it's, Yes, there's a lot of pressure, but um, we have found that uh, they've been terrific partners in doing this work together. Wonderful. Well,
0: thank you. As I mentioned in the beginning, I am... Number one fan, and I still am after you know hearing this interview, even more so. And Hashem should give you all the wisdom and strength that you need to keep doing this work, because you need both of that and the funding. Amazing. And amazing. Uh, amazing. I'm looking forward keep, to, to work together and keep
1: bringing, uh, keep uh, doing the good work that you're doing on, on Thank this you so podcast much. And, uh, and in your school.
0: Thank you. Okay. Well, as promised, you got to hear about an amazing organization that is extremely thoughtful in the work they do. And you can tell why I'm so excited about them because every program that they run is based on solid research and they've really thought about how they're going to give it over. And with that combination of the quality of content and the quality in which they give over that content, it's a great organization to work with. I would suggest you go to their website, hidden sparks.org and check out all of the webinars that they offer, both. In the future and in the past, you could get recordings and really learn about some of the great things that they're doing. And if, you like I said, if you're an educational leader, you could reach out to them directly and I'm sure they'd be happy to work with you and continue to spread the good word that they're doing. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for those who send me such great and positive feedback. I'm always interested in your question, comments, and guest suggestions, at chinuchtodaypodcast at gmail.com. Always remember that sharing is caring, and therefore you want to share this podcast with others as we grow our listenership. Thank you all for joining. This is your Achmiel Garfield wishing you a wonderful day.